Failure is not an option. What difference at this point does it make? Nobody said it was going to be fun. This is Real Talk, a fearless, poignant, and intrepid show where truth speaks louder than words. This is Real Talk with your host, Audrey Russo. It's a shame, not of this world, so we live on the run. We keep our eyes set, eyes on what is to come. It happened before, it will happen again. It's just a question of when. Time's a luxury we don't have. This is Michael Brown, host of the Line of Fire radio broadcast and author of the brand new book, Jezebel's War with America. You are listening to my friend, Audrey Russo, on Real Talk Radio. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Audrey Russo, and you're listening to Real Talk. Are the Marxists gaining ground in their scamdemic? And will free people take back their freedoms lost to these globalists? Well, we're going to discuss this and more with my next guest, direct from South Africa. For my new listeners, Dr. Peter Hammond is the founder and director of Frontline Fellowship, the founder and chairman of Africa Christian Action, the director of the Christian Action Network, and chairman of the Reformation Society. He is the author of several books, including Faith Under Fire in Sudan, In the Killing Fields of Mozambique, Slavery, Terrorism, and Islam, The Historical Roots, and The Contemporary Threat. It's my great pleasure to give a real talk welcome back to Dr. Peter Hammond. Welcome back, Peter. So great to have you with us. Thank you, Audrey. Always good to be back with Real Talk. Thank you. And, you know, we're going to jump in right here. Um, the president, of course, uh, had contracted coronavirus or questions about the origin of, of that particular incident. Uh, but he's out. He was went in Friday and out on Monday, and he's doing very well. But uh, what it exposed um, about the media and Hollywood's uh, left or, or globalist, communist, I have never seen so much hatred i mean wishing him dead I, what's your what's your response to something like i i'm still stunned they they're just so lost their minds that they're wishing the man dead 
It is stunning, but it also shows the hypocrisy of the left. They, they first of all claim they're so concerned for your health. You have to have this lockdown. You've got to wear these masks and so on and so forth. And if they can vaccinate you, great. They'd love to do that. And they'd love to make it mandatory. And then the moment that somebody doesn't follow the narrative and, say, isn't wearing a mask while outside playing with their child, mixing, they start screaming, I hope you all die yeah. and these things have been documented you know one moment they're claiming the concern for your health the next thing they're wishing you to be dead and the same <laughs> thing now with with the prison that you know even if our enemy contracts something yeah. we, we wish them well we we don't yeah. we, we don't want them to die of some disease and uh, you know if, if we see our enemies broken down by the side of the road we'd normally stop and help uh, th this is just common courtesy and it's anyway the christian ethic that jesus taught us but yeah. Uh, to see these people who claim to be the ones who are full of love and tolerance, actually, <laughs> when you put just a little bit of pressure on them, you see yeah. actually there's a lot of hate and intolerance under there. Yeah, and it seems that uh, Dr. Fauci, who hasn't seen a patient in over 30 years, uh, you know, the bureaucrat from the CDC, he, he still won't shut up. And the president comes out, he's doing very well. And what does he say? Oh, well, he could still have a reversal in his recovery. I mean, the guy is, he has a specialty. It's doom and gloom. There are those people who've got a ministry of discouragement <laughs> and a gift of criticism, <laughs> and uh, these people can always see the worst side of the problem. And uh, honestly, I, I've, I've seen it statistically that 10% of the people are negative, 10% of people are positive, and about 80% of people are sort of in the middle, and they can be swayed one way or the other. And so apparently, it doesn't matter where you are, there's, there's groups of people who no matter what, there's the 10% who no matter what, doesn't matter how great it is, they'll always be negative. And uh, so, well, it's our choice. We may not be able to control what happens, but we can sure control our reaction. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Um, you know, Peter, there's been reports that the South African government is getting rich off the Chinese coronavirus. Is that possible? Oh, it's not just possible. It's absolutely definite, proven, without a doubt. Uh, we've got right now government by committee. So for the last seven months, since they declared lockdown, which was the end of March, uh, we've sidelined parliament. So forget the 400 parliamentarians. Who cares about them? Who cares about the Constitution or Bill of Rights? They've now had, for the last seven months, a government by committee. There's a committee of six. And it all happened to be African National Congress, South African Communist Party, which is an alliance, uh, and uh, this is interesting because that's what ran the French Revolution, the Committee for Public Safety. Oh. And Robespierre was the one in charge, and they're the ones who decided who got beheaded and so on. So that's the Committee for Public Safety. And uh, the Soviet Union is ruled by committee. That, that was, that's what Soviet means, committee. So, of course, as uh, Christians and people who believe in representative republics and constitutional monarchies, we believe in elected representatives representing their districts. We don't believe in some elitist committee deciding what's good for everybody else, certainly not from just one party. And so what they've done is in the name of this disease, they have um, they've basically enforced a Soviet system where you need permission from the government for everything. Uh, who can work, where they can work, when they can work, how they can work. Oh, and you need your travel papers, show me your documents. And under the guise of, of a disease and under guise of combating a virus, we have actually had oppression. And not just that, we've had the government plundering our country. Now, according to the African Union's task force on corruption, 32% of our gross domestic product, that's 
32% of our GDP, one third of our GDP is stolen, looted by government every year. Now, that's not counting taxes. That's not counting inflation. Wow. That's just talking about corruption. One third of our GDP stolen. So we know they're thieves. Well, at the beginning of this, the IMF or World Health Organization, or is it the Wuhan Health Organization? Anyway, <laughs> the WHO, they promised $500 billion to the southern government for COVID relief if they did a hard lockdown. And that meant masks and everything and shut down the economy. Well, of course, our economy is worth a lot more than $500 billion. But anyway, they took the money. And they promised everyone it's not a problem because even though you won't be earning during this time, we're going to be giving you COVID relief from the Solidarity Fund, which has been so nicely made available to us through the World or Wuhan Health Organization. And uh, next thing, people are saying, well, where's my money and where's the help? And, you know, we're starving and all these sort of things. And the police and the army were literally shooting people to stop them dying of the coronavirus. Uh, we had pe more people being killed by the police and army than dying of the coronavirus. And uh, they just carried on these people being mobilized, troops into townships with assault rifles, shooting people uh, because they were uh, going against the lockdown curfew martial law business. Totally insane. What has this got to do with health and hygiene and concern for virus? Well, next thing is we find out, oh, sorry about that 500 billion. It's all disappeared. The government lost or mislaid or whatever. And now stories are coming out that, oh, uh, you know, President Ramaphosa's son, Andili Ramaphosa, got a six million contract for modifying taxis uh, to comply with these regulations. And, oh, um, they banned all the cigarette sales because one of the six uh, committee members who are running the country in this uh, emergency state of disaster uh, cover um, is running the illegal cigarettes industry. <laughs> and uh, then we've got people um, awarding themselves uh, 125 million for supplying personal protective equipment and they're all overcharged and ridiculous things like somebody getting a contract because they broad-based black economic empowerment that's BBBEE -E, affirmative action race-based and just to provide a water canister outside a classroom that you could wash your hands with and it cost over 100,000 each and you know, I could make it for under a thousand you've got to be kidding it's 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 plastic with a little bit of metal and uh, the, the outrageous packing. So the money disappeared very quickly because they were just, as I said, just tip of the iceberg. What we've got is when governments or NGOs or the Wuhan Health Organization gives a whole bunch of money to some governments in Africa, what do you think happens, especially when they're Marxist? Well, there's mismanagement, there's theft, there's money laundering, there's all kinds of uh, fat and pork projects. And you know, the poor guy on the ground is suffering. He gets nothing. And the fat cats at the top, they've just skimmed everything off. And so, yes, we've got an incredibly corrupt government. Uh, the initials for our government is ANC, and we say it's abortion, nepotism, and corruption. Oh, oh that's apropos. And I, I also understand that, they are, that your government, the ANC government, is joining the cancel culture and renaming cities and streets along with removing all monuments from the so-called colonial era. Is that correct? Uh, they certainly are trying. So we just had Heritage Day. Interestingly enough, it's named after one of the most uh, bloodthirsty tyrants in the uh, uh, history of Africa, Shaka Zulu. Some of you might have heard of Shaka Zulu. Right. He launched the Mifakan, killed a few million people. Uh, and uh, so uh, instead of having Kruger Day after the founder of the Transvaal, President Paul Kruger, or Van Riebeek Day, named after 
uh, the man who's like Christopher Columbus who first settled the country. Uh, we've got our Heritage Day, uh, which was on the 24th of September, and, named, and that's uh, uh, after the date that uh, Shaka Zulu, uh, this great um, uh, tyrant, mass murderer, uh, the day that he died. So on Heritage Day, Ramaphosa, our president, announced the intention to cancel our heritage. So how appropriate is that? On Heritage Day, we're going to change the names of streets and cities and remove all monuments from the colonial era, which just happens to be like most of them. And nothing's stopping them building their own monuments. Nothing's stopping them building their own streets and naming it who they want. Nothing's stopping them building their own cities and naming it after whoever they want. But they want to rename something that's already been built by somebody else and dedicate someone else. And that just seems not just immoral uh, and stealing, but it's actually cheap. And for example, we this year are celebrating the, the 1820 settlers, the 200th anniversary of the 1820 settlers, which was a large shipment of, of British settlers that came out of the Napoleonic Wars and settled the Eastern Cape. And they're the founders of the free press and the first free press in all of Africa and so on, and did a lot of great things. Well, forget about the 1820 settlers. Who cares about them? They, they took the, uh, our main boulevard, a massive, beautiful freeway leading into Cape Town called Settler's Way, and renamed it Nelson Mandela Boulevard. Mm. Now, why didn't they build him a road? But they rename the people who we're trying to honor, and uh, it's, it's been named Settler's Way for over 50 years. And um, uh, this is the kind of nonsense they're doing. So the man who did more for our city, Cape Town, than anybody else in history, uh, Cecil John Rhodes, uh, they beheaded his monument. Uh, just a short while ago, and it's the most beautiful monument is overlooking Cape Town. It's got the most panoramic view, lots of steps and an amphitheater. In fact, we have church service there. We have um, Resurrection Sunday services, lots of great things up there. Because it's just the best view, and you, you're you looking out over the whole, whole panoramic of the mountains in the distance where the sun comes over uh, early on Resurrection Sunday morning, and you, you can imagine it's, it's a great venue. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, I've had a lot of states there but aside from that uh, it's been the scene for numerous people's uh, wedding photographs uh, and um, engagement photographs family photos and so on well uh, some communist thug comes and beheads the bust of Cecil Rhodes there and next thing people are saying well what did he ever do for the city well it so happened that he bought up the entire uh, Newlands forest the whole of the slopes of Tabor Mountain and protected it from logging and from development and from buildings and gave it as a gift to the people. He bought up uh, what is today the greatest um, uh, natural uh, uh, botanical garden in the world, Kirstenbosch Gardens, with over 3,000 species of plants, and donated it to the country. He, he built a massive, beautiful uh, estate and donated the people to be a residence for future leader of the country. And when he was Prime Minister of the Cape from 1890 to 1896, he never took a cent of public money didn't take salary reminds us of someone else's president today <laughs> yes. i don't know of anyone else who doesn't take a salary for being president oh, yeah. and uh, who had, actually had to take a dip in income and in standard of living to become president and uh, uh, cecil Rhodes, who never took money from the public but donated in fact everything he, he built up from his diamond mines on he invested in education today Rhodes scholarships and so on worldwide but nevertheless they took his head off well, on Heritage Day, our mission was part of restoring it. One of the people found the head, which had been decapitated in the bushes, 
uh, we got it uh, restored. And on Heritage Day, we had a service up there and uh, singing He Who Would Valiant Be and uh, did a clean up. And so uh, also some commie had destroyed our beautiful uh, Rondebosch fountain, which was not just a horse and a trough and uh, a um, dog uh, water uh, basin, but just a little um, Victorian era uh, light uh, bulb too. So it had the first electric street light in all of Southern Africa. Wow. And this had been destroyed five years ago. And uh, after five years of our city failing to repair or replace it, private individuals at personal expense restored it and also in time for Heritage Day. So we dashed between uh, the one, the restoring of the fountain, the other up uh, top restoring Rhodes Memorial. And again, this is what, what it's come to in our country. Our government destroys things or don't repair things that vandals that support them destroy. But it's up to private citizens like us to restore it. So we wonder actually why we're paying rates and taxes in the first place. Yeah, I mean, great question. Uh, you talk about violence and destruction uh, here in the U.S. and the Democrat-run cities. It continues, and they have threatened worse when Trump wins re-election. Is this, is this common for Marxists to do this? Oh, this is total. This is just Marxism 101. Um, this is how they work. Let's face it. Um, where did where did these socialists, these um, Marxists, get their game plan from? Well, the French Revolution's the the inspiration for them, and you know how that went. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, liberty, equality, fraternity, or death, and beheading people by the tens of thousands, and all that, and throwing Europe into 25 years of war. And the Bolshevik Revolution took what the French Revolution had pioneered and perfected it in their mind it destroyed everything they possibly could and this is the way marxists work the world over so you may think oh if we don't give them what we want they're going to keep being violent but the point is when they get in power do you think they stop being violent no they get more violent so we had people in south africa saying if we would just hand over to ANSI, at least all the war would stop, all the sanctions would stop, the violence, the terrorism, the riots. Oh, it'd be so much better if, if, if we just stop fighting because then we'd have peace. You think you get peace when you're given to temper tantrums? Just think back to when you were a parent maybe or maybe you've just observed other people right. that when you get brats who throw a temper tantrum mm-hmm. when they don't get their own way, if you give in to the temper tantrum, what happens? Yeah. More temper tantrums. And you reward it, you get more. So if America gives in to the cancel culture, BLM, Antifa, thugs, Marxists, and other so-called progressives on the streets, burning, looting, destroying, uh, trying to topple your statues, monuments, and heritage, and cancel culture, what will they do when they get into power? It will be immeasurably worse. Anything you've endured so far this year will seem as nothing if these creeps manage to get power, because when they say defund the police, you understand they don't mean no police force. They mean defund this police and then replace them with our uniformed thugs. Yeah. So imagine how great it would be if you could have a police force made up entirely of BLM and Antifa rioters wearing uniforms, having badges and having the power of the state. That's what happened in the Soviet Union. That's what happened in revolutionary France. That's what happens in every country that Marxists come to power. They take the law and change it to criminalize people who are freedom-loving, mind your own business, Christian, free markets, business people and so on. And before you know it, it's the criminals running everything and the laws are on the head. And what they've done is they've criminalized patriotism and uh, 
being a family person, a good businessman, yeah. and uh, they have legalized every kind of vice and evil imaginable. And if people think that this year has been bad, it's nothing compared to what would come if these people get their way in the upcoming elections. Oh yeah, and and they've they promised it, but they they don't they don't seem to understand. This is not Europe here, okay? There's a lot of us of law-abiding citizens that have firearms that actually know how to use them. So I don't think they want to go in that direction. But they're pretty stupid, I think. Well, it's true, but of course they do want to go in that direction. They they may not understand all of the implications of what they're getting into. <laughs> but remember, they are the ones pushing for worldwide police, United Nations forces, and so on. Yeah. And they would happily call for UN peacekeeping force to invade America to try and suppress you. Now, I don't think that would go very well for them, but <laughs> but just think how American elections and foreign policy affect other people. Obviously, it's going to affect you a lot. Right. But I don't know how many Americans think of how the U.S. elections affects the persecuted church, for example, worldwide. So uh, just take in my lifetime, I was brought up in Rhodesia. I've lived through three revolutions. I've, I've been through eight wars. I've worked in 38 countries over the last uh, 40 odd years as a missionary. Well, when I was a, a teenager at school in Rhodesia, Jimmy Carter became president. Mm. And he made as one of his top foreign policy goals to betray Rhodesia, Christian Rhodesia, who was resisting communist terrorism and to betray us to communism. But he didn't just stop there. He was working on betraying Nicaragua to the Sandinistas and, of course, Afghanistan to the jihadist uh, Mujahideen and so on. Well, under the four years of the presidency of Jimmy Carter, 13 countries fell to communism, including Rhodesia. Wow. And we haven't seen the end of the Zimbabwe nightmare yet. And including uh, Iran who was, of course, uh, under the Shah of Iran, an ally of America, and you haven't seen the end of the Ayatollah Khomeini uh, Iran story yet, and you know that they could cause nuclear war somewhere along the line. So uh, Jimmy Carter's presidential legacy continues to afflict us, but then not one country fell to communism during eight years of Ronald Reagan. In fact, countries started to be freed from communism, and Ronald Reagan put freedom on the offensive. He supported resistance movements in communist countries. He helped win the Cold War that brought down the Berlin Wall and the Iron Curtain, the collapse of communism. He supported the freedom fighters in Angola and Mozambique. He supported the freedom fighters in Afghanistan and in Nicaragua, the Contras. And he helped solidarity in Poland and so many different groups throughout Eastern Europe that saw the collapse of communism throughout Eastern Europe in 1989 to 1991 and brought in an unprecedented era of religious freedom and missionary activity that had been inconceivable for the previous 50 years. And so as one person observed so wisely, there's nothing communists despise more than weakness. And there's nothing they respect more than strength. And there's no doubt that America was despised in the days of, days of Jimmy Carter. But they were respected under Ronald Reagan. And America was despised, in fact hated, under the Clinton era. Clinton, who could wage wars on countries and drop bombs on countries for no other reason than to change the news headlines from the scandals. And you can imagine America was despised even more under Obama. Oh, yeah. Who, who <laughs> under Obama, he got a Nobel Peace Prize for doing nothing, but he then bombed eight countries. And I think he has the world record for the number of drone assassinations, which killed, of course, far more civilians, collateral damage than the actual terrorists being targeted. And... Under the drone strikes, I believe he authorized something along the line of 14,000. Uh, the the amount of civilians killed by executive order of Jimmy uh, of uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Uh, there are people all over the Middle East who hate America because of what Barack Hussein Obama did. America used to be loved, 
or respected, but now America is hated all over the world as a result of Clinton, Carter, and uh, Obama. Uh, I think they've all got something in common. Um, they were part of, what's that political party? They were all part of, oh, the Democratic <laughs> Party. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so they had something in common there. Um, and, uh, but Reagan, uh, under his time, there was far more freedom and far more respect. And we also saw under, uh, to be fair, uh, under George Bush, while many people didn't like him for different reasons, yet I saw the Muslim terrorists pull back and the bombing of churches cease. And uh, in fact, independence for South Sudan come as a direct result of, of his intervention. And so there's no doubt that some good came out of that. And it got much worse after Barack Hussein Obama came to power. Now, I can say in the last four years, I've seen tremendous drop in persecution since uh, Donald Trump has been president of the United States. So, for example, one of the worst places on the planet was uh, the Nuba Mountains of South of Sudan, where the Christians have been bombed and we've been bombed uh, in Nuba Mountains, strafed by helicopter gunships and Afghanistan church being bombed 10, 18 times even in a 12-month period. And uh, yet... Uh, for the entire time that President Trump's been president of the United States, there's been no more bombing, no more assaults, no more attacks on Christians in South Sudan or in the Nuba Mountains of Central Sudan, which is an island of Christianity in the Sea of Islam. And I even wrote to uh, President Trump uh, personally to thank him for this, and I wrote public articles to acknowledge the fact that the president's policy, he, he said to the Sudan government, I know what you want. You want sanctions lifted. Well, I'll tell you what I want an end to all hostile action, no more bombing, no more persecution, no more scorched earth. And when they had stopped that for a full year, then he lifted the sanctions. And in fact, uh, we've had unprecedented freedom to do our work in Sudan. We've distributed hundreds of thousands of Bibles in Nuba Mountains, which is behind enemy lines, wow. because schools are reopened, something that could not have happened if they were engaged in a scorched earth war and bombing of schools. There was, were no schools meeting, but because of this three and a half years of peace and freedom that has come as a result of President Trump's very wise foreign policies. So may people in America who thinking, I don't know what everyone's thinking, COVID-19, whatever, economy, but could people just spare a thought for the tens of millions of Christians throughout the world, including in the Middle East and Africa, who suffer under Democratic Party foreign policies and who benefit when you've got a Republican president? Because I've seen that, I'm talking about my lifetime, uh, and uh, it never was worse than under Obama, Clinton, and Cot, and never was better under Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. So um, maybe some people could just put that into the mix and consider foreign policy. I wrote an article on this called Ronald Reagan Saved Lives in Angola, and uh, one of my early mission fields, how his intervention there and his wise strategies saved lives and stopped the aerial bombardments on Christians in Angola. And, you know, you know that the Democrat people like Biden don't care no. about Christians in Africa. No. And so <laughs> what, what we need is we need some responsible person in the White House. We don't need some irresponsible progressive who loves the Marxists. Yeah, and certainly not uh, someone who lives most of the time in their basement with a mask. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shelter in place. Shelter yeah. in place. That's, yeah, that would be his, well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't end up being president. They'd have, you know, he, they'd say, oh, then suddenly they'd realize <laughs> that he's got a mental problem and they would yeah, try well, to replace him. Yeah. Well, we, you, you can be sure many of us were praying against Hillary Clinton when she was trying to make a mm. bid for the presidency because you know what happened in Benghazi and as she said, 
what difference does it make? Mm, you, know, uh, right. you know, it's only a bunch of Americans getting killed by Marxist terror, uh, Muslim terrorists who uh, they had helped bankroll $500 million uh, worth. Exactly. And, uh, you know, what difference does it make? So uh, who would you like to call when you're under fire um, in somewhere in the Middle East? Uh, would you prefer to phone a Biden, a Hillary Clinton or a Donald Trump? We all know the answer to that. And any any last thoughts here on our upcoming election? Oh, make no mistake. There's a lot of Christians all over Africa praying that America would re-elect uh, the best president you've had since Ronald Reagan. Uh, Donald Trump has made our lives better, easier, more effective ministries. The persecuted church in particular is praying that the American people would not allow any intimidation or brainwashing from the media to distract you from the important thing that vote for someone who's not trying to benefit out of you, vote mm -hmm. for someone who's not a po professional politician, mm -hmm. someone who's a businessman and who's improved your economy and has done everything he can to try and preserve freedoms and roll back government interference. So uh, for many reasons, I'm sure domestic and foreign, I hope and pray that Americans will re-elect Donald Trump and keep this uh, Democratic Party, which seems to have been hijacked by the Communist Party USA. Yes. And if anyone doubts that, go onto Communist Party USA website and you will see that the Communist Party USA says on their own website, we are not putting up a candidate in the next elections, but advise all cadres to vote for the Democratic Party candidate. Now, what does that tell you? Mm, that's all you really need to know, to be honest. That's it. Peter, where can the listeners follow and support your excellent work and purchase your books? Yes, if you would uh, go on our Frontline Mission SA.org website, so it's Frontline Mission SA, uh, and uh, that's short for South Africa, so Frontline Mission SA.org, that's our website. We're on Facebook as well, Frontline Fellowship, and uh, if you want to email us, it's mission at frontline.org.za, mission at frontline.org.za. We've got books, videos, and, you know, just the documentation on Sudan and the uh, Faith of the Fine Sudan and Slavery, Terrorism, Islam. Uh, we've got the documentation on the ground what happens when Marxists or Muslim jihadists get into these places and the Christian resistance. Well, we're willing to do the fighting on the ground against these people, but we really would appreciate American help to see that we're not having the enemy getting aid and comfort from the White House, which they would yes. under a Biden and Harris type of I don't know if presidency is the right word, but yeah. it would be a catastrophe. It would be. It would be. And as always, I'll have those links in my after show, which is now on the live show page. Just go to AndreRusso.com, click on the honor button, and right under the show description, you'll find all the links and info you need to follow Peter's work. Thanks so much, Peter, again, for sharing your brilliant assessments with us. We look forward to your return to the show. Until then, may God bless you, your work, and may God save America. Bye for now. Thank you. God bless. Thank you.